0: and in the foreword of the book in the foreword of the book
1: you're not going to edit that out right because you were scottish for one second and i would <laughs> the like the
0: foreword of the the, the foreword book.
1: of the book you're do not edit that out you can't do it now if i talk over <laughs> no <it>. i am <laughs> Now you've you addressed it i'm going to say it i'm going to do callbacks later on and you will never <laughs> be able to get
0: those out i'm so glad this show isn't live hello everybody and welcome to a very special two-year anniversary episode of the new scene This is Keith and Tommy and folks you'll be delighted to know that just moments ago I accidentally called the show the Northeast scene <laughs> again and it was a it was a beautiful throwback to the past. Old habits die hard <laughs> <laughs> They certainly do well folks, Thank you so much for joining us for this special bonus episode and joining us for this special two-year anniversary show, Dana Bolin, host of Two Week Notice podcast, and he is the tour manager and official live hype man for Piebald. We talk podcasting, we talk Piebald. He tells how he met the band, which is an incredible story that you're going to hear. I really like it. <laughs> and some other good ones. And we're not going to spoil it. We're not going to spoil it. We're going to let you hear it. Uh, so strap in for that. And we're here. We are here to celebrate. And we are very excited. Now. Jesus. Folks. <laughs> I'm sorry. When we started this thing, we didn't know exactly what it was going to be. And we didn't know what we were gonna alright, no, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell the whole origin story again. Look, you've heard it before. You know we started as the Northeast scene, you know we did the podcast for about a year and a half, but the big story for twenty twenty-one was, of course, the partnership with Iodine Recordings. You know, we started talking to Casey in summer of twenty twenty-one, and by fall the switch had happened and we became the new scene. It was not something that we expected at all. It was a very pleasant surprise, and you know, since that partnership has happened, since we got signed, and yes, we did get signed, Tommy. You don't get signed on a though, podcast. <laughs> that's that's not a thing. You know, there was a guy that wrote to us and said that uh, that it, what that didn't happen. He said sign. Uh, he said signing a podcast is not a thing. Remember that that uh, letter, Tommy, that we got. You tell Spotify and Joe Rogan that. <laughs> well look the switchover happened and we're very happy with it because Iodine Recordings is a fantastic label and Casey has helped our show grow a whole lot you know listenership has gone up a lot we're getting new and exciting guests we will continue to get new and exciting guests and yeah I'm, I'm just really grateful Tommy I'm really grateful because I didn't expect it at all and it was it's just a it's a pleasant surprise
1: It was definitely something that I remember when you first called me I was like Wait, what's happening? (laughs) Wait, like a record label? Why? Oh, okay Yeah, no, I'm into
0: it (laughs) I had the same reaction When I think I mentioned this on the show before When Casey brought it up I was just kind of like I couldn't even process it I was just like No Like, what does he mean? No
1: (laughs) It didn't didn't make sense to me at the time And then I was like Oh, it's a partnership Okay, got it Never mind Got it. But it yeah. really was... Uh, I never thought we'd be... Hey, let's just be honest. From the beginning of this, I didn't think we'd be doing this two years later. <laughs> I mean, there's no way I thought it'd be two years later. Um, and then on top of that, uh, we've gotten to talk to some really incredible, amazing artists, musicians, um, a novelist, photographers, uh, and people that just genuinely contribute to art in general. And it's, it's really cool. That we get to talk to them, and we also love the fact that we get to tell funny stories about ourselves, and personal things that we're working on, you know, that kind of stuff. Exactly.
0: I like that part of the show, you know, it's important to me, and other people seem to like it as well. I love doing this show, I love doing this show with you, Tommy, and I will take this opportunity to say once again that I wouldn't be able to do it without you, because I would be too much of a nervous wreck. Oh, and this would one
1: 100% not happen without you, because... I don't have the time to edit anything. And also I don't have the patience. When I hear you talk about doing like the editing, all I say to myself is there, but for the grace of God goes, I (laughs) like I'm so (laughs) glad that's not me because I would be so frustrated with it. And on top of that, I would be up all night and then be miserable in the morning. And it just, I, it wouldn't be functional. Like this is such a great partnership because what I'm decent at, Keith is not. What Keith is amazing at, I am good at. Like we just, we, we compliment each other really well. And on top of that, we both just have the passion to do this. It's just fun. <laughs> <laughs> so without that, there, there's really no show. So I I want to say thank you to you because uh, if you hadn't invited me to do this, I don't know who the fuck, like I, I would have been, I would be listening to it with you and uh,
0: I don't know, whoever else would have done it with you. Vadim? I don't know. <laughs> There you go. Well, uh, yeah, it is a perfect partnership. We complement each other well. And like you mentioned, because of the way we're structured, everything just gets done. It's perfect. It's perfect. I love it. And yeah, I didn't think, you know, I thought we were just going to do the show sometimes. Yeah. Whenever we could find an interview, we would do a show. But I love this system that we have. And even though it's a lot of work and editing can be stressful and all that stuff, blah, blah, blah. I love it it just it just fills up a lot of my time with something that I'm very passionate about, and I love it so yeah, I think that's I think that's all we need to say, right? Did we forget anything for twenty twenty one No, thank you, Casey. We thanked each other. the show's
1: still rad, and I still hate pop culture minute, so
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> well, it's never going away, and you know tommy, I think twenty twenty one is when we Really found our footing as far as how we operate on the show. You know, when I listen to some of the 2020 episodes and I listen back, I'm like, Ugh, I, I didn't quite hit my stride yet. But <laughs> when I look at the early guest list starting in 2021, you know, Bill Sullivan, Phil Jameson, Jim Ward again, all those episodes, I can listen to those episodes and not cringe.
1: Oh, yeah, 100%. I actually, I, I, there's so many times when I look at the thing, like the people that we had on, and it's like a lot of the first sets of guests we had were like, these are people we have their phone numbers. <laughs> like we can call them and be like, hey, what's up? You want to go get pizza? Um, but it's also like <laughs> we started getting people that were just like Phil Jamison. Like we, I had no idea we were going to be able to get somebody from Caspian. Like that just blew my mind. And then on top of that, he came on and was. <laughs> Hilarious and funny, and you know, ingratiating, and just he brought corn to the show. I don't know what else to tell you. Like,
0: oh, that was a yes, so, yes. Phil Jameson single handedly made the podcast about corn. Indelible, that was mark. A,
1: indelible <laughs> like, there's no you can't change that. We still bring up to other guests, like, have you seen corn at uh, have you seen corn at Woodstock 99? No, take a moment, just
0: go watch it right now. Hold on. <laughs> Oh man, yeah it's it, it's it's crazy to think about it. Like think about last year feels like even longer ago. It, I mean, COVID has just changed oh, yeah. how time is perceived, and I think getting older there's just some of that too. A
1: hundred percent. I I uh, my concept of two years ago in my head, I'm going like that was pre-pandemic, pre-shutdown, and it was such a tumultuous time because no one knew what was happening. But the best thing that I knew that like made me so unbelievably happy was like I get to stay at home with my family. <laughs> and I know that some people are like, oh my God, I'm stuck with my family. In my head, I'm going like, I have a five-month-old and two seven-year-olds, or two six-year-olds at the time. This is going to be amazing. We're going to play all day. We're going to go for walks. We're going to go to the park. Like We're going to do all this fun stuff. and It was every bit I imagined. It was great. It was fun. Bring on Pandemic 2. Let's go.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, in my Instagram story the other day, it came up. The video I posted inside the hotel room when we recorded the first four episodes, that blew my mind because that was pre-pandemic. And I remember being scared to death, just like I am every time before we record the show. And I was like, what am I doing? I don't know how to work any of this equipment. Like, what, what am I doing? And I'm so glad I didn't like chicken out or abandon it and that we went through with recording those first four episodes because it brought us here today to where we are right now
1: i also think there was a comment that we i don't even know if this made it to the air but (laughs) like if you and i had a hotel room in center city five years ago six years ago it would have been a wildly different story (laughs) than us (laughs) recording a podcast and doing something productive like it was literally like i went down to the uh the wawa and got uh hot coffee and donuts and stuff for the guests that were coming in and like
0: we, oh yeah we had a whole spread and we, everything we had like snack. i forgot about that
1: i had a gift card. i had a 50 dollars gift card my mom gave me to wawa and i was like i'm spending this shit i'm gonna go get like get coffee for everybody this is gonna be great we're sitting there sipping coffee like talking about hardcore going this is not it this would have been a wildly different scene even if five six years ago yeah
0: yeah yeah it would uh the only thing being recorded would be our fingerprints down at the uh local police district yeah it would have been a problem
1: but uh <laughs> we I, I had a like like that was such an interesting time because it was so new and we didn't know what it was gonna be and I think there's parts of it like when I think back on the the like totality of the show there's still parts like six seven eight months in we really kind of were honing what we were doing and then until we had that conversation where we both kind of sat down and we're like we need to think about the structure of the show we started thinking about in terms of what does this look like what do we really ultimately almost like a mission statement like ultimately what do we want the guests to get out of this and what do we want the listeners to get out of it and you know kind of fixing adjusting and, and and moving along and kind of the evolution of it is just it's it's incredible. Like I'm, I kind of look back on it and I'm like floored that we did this.
0: Yeah. I think it's gotten a lot stronger. I think it has changed, not, I think it has changed, but for the better, it's gotten sharper, more precise. You know what I mean? The heart of it is still the same, but, uh, it's, it's just delivered and packaged better. Absolutely. Yep. There you go. Well, listen, folks, enough about us for right now, check back in with us in segment three. We'll talk about what we're looking forward to in 2022 and beyond. But, folks, right now, we are going to speak to Dana Bolin of Two Week Notice Podcast. Enjoy.
2: Every dressing room that you're in oh. Beholding every door you walk through You don't even have to say thanks I'll get groceries at the
0: same time as you All right, folks, we're here now with Dana Bolin. Dana, welcome to the show. Yo, yo, what up? It's great to have you here, Dana. You know, it's wonderful to have you here to celebrate our two-year anniversary as a podcast. And, you know, Tommy and I love talking about ourselves. We do. But to do a whole nother anniversary show of us recapping our history and all that stuff, it it just sounds really boring, even to me. And I imagine it would be to the audience, too. So what better way to celebrate than speaking to a fellow podcaster, huh?
2: Well, dude, it's an honor to be here. I don't know why you selected me. I'm I'm not that cool, but I'm happy to be here. I appreciate it. And uh, I enjoy your show very much, Keith and Tommy. So this is really cool for me. Thank you.
0: Oh, awesome. Thank you. And do you know why I selected you, Dana? That's what I was wondering. I really don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Because you're like the first podcaster I've spoken to. Cool. All right. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because we were messaging the other week. And don't get me wrong. Like I've I've spoken to other podcasters, but like, you know, like the podcasts in our circle, like all the podcasts that you see in the related searches and all that stuff. Yeah. You're the first one I've spoken to. And I, I don't get to chop it up with any podcasters. So I thought this would be a great uh, first chance to do so.
2: Cool, man. I'm down. Let's do it.
0: Yes, this is very exciting. So, now, folks, if you don't know, Dana is host of the Two Week Notice podcast. Dana, tell us a little bit about the show and how often it airs.
2: All right, man, yeah. So, let's see. It started in 2019, initially as a travel log. I was traveling around Europe by myself for, like, four months, and almost like Bill Burr style, I would wake up and be like, oh, I'm in Switzerland today, and I would talk for, like, a half hour about being in Switzerland or something. And, um, you know, when I came home, a couple months later, I went on tour with Piebald and Dashboard Confessional, and I kind of continued that, like, travel log. It was almost like a mini series, but, like, being on tour. And then right when we got back from tour, everything shut down, and I don't know, I still wanted to do podcasting. I was like, well, what, what better time to talk to people than right now? Well, who do I know? So I hit up Chris Caraba because we had recently toured. And like a week later, he came on the show. And then it kind of snowballed from there, dude. Like I never really intended for it to be like a music interview podcast. It kind of just happened organically. You know, it, it, yeah, it just snowballed. And I've had a lot of musicians. We, we, have, some, we have some crossover guests, you know, like uh, Travis. And I know you have had Chris Hornbrook. And I, I believe we had a couple crossovers.
0: Yes. Uh, how often does your show air? Once a
2: week, lately I've been putting out two a week. One to two a week, I'll say. Two a week? How do you have the time to do that? I don't. That's why it doesn't always happen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a one-man show, too. I wish I had more time to do that. It's not easy, dude. And even when it's once a week, it's like last minute. Like, I'll be, a, when we finish with this, I'm going to be up all night editing. Um, I got Aaron David Tate of Minus the Bear. Oh, oh that's That's nice. awesome.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I don't think people realize how long the editing takes once we're done an episode. It takes me I think 3 nights to edit it, and that's just for 2 hours. Well, just under 2 hours. It's insane,
2: man. Do you have any idea like how many combined hours that would be typically?
0: Let's see. Oh, if I if I okay, sometimes I have to sit down and edit an entire episode in one day and it usually takes me like 12 hours. And granted, you know, I take a lot of breaks and uh, lay down a lot and whatever, it, eat. So I'm counting all of that 12 hours as editing time.
2: That makes me happy to hear that because sometimes I'm. that's about as long as it takes for me. And sometimes I'm just like, is it me? Am I just slow? Like what, what, why does this take so much time? It's brutal.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm slow, but I'm okay with that. You know, like I, I, it's just my process now. So you start this podcast and yeah, I imagined you have, a lot of contacts of people you've toured with while out with Piebald and people that you know to get on the show, right? And that's got to make it great because I think that's the hardest part of being a new podcast is finding guests.
2: Yeah, definitely. So all my guests, um, the music people, it's either someone I I know, maybe I ran into on tour or me- sometimes I just met him maybe once or twice um, or like with Caraba's case, obviously we did like a full tour together. But I would say more often than not, it's kind of cold calling, like I'll just send messages to people. And maybe I got their contact, like maybe it's a friend of a friend, you know, in, in the scene, if you will. Uh, or again, maybe it's just like a message. And I just kind of say, hey, you know, my name's Dana. I'm a big fan. I tour with the band Piebald. Um, I also have a podcast. If podcasting is your thing, I'd love to talk to you. And I provide a list of the guests that I've had in the past, which also gives me a little street credit, I'm sure. you Because know? if they're like, what's this podcast? I've never heard of it. It's like they'll, they'll see, all right, this guy tours with Piebald, which most bands know of, or maybe they love the band themselves. And then they'll look at the, right. the list of guests I've had and be like, all right, this guy seems like the real deal. I'll talk to him.
0: I think about it like the guest. I'm like, if someone asked me on a podcast, what would I do? So the first thing I do is go to social media and see how that looks. And then I look at the guest list. And then I listen to the podcast to see what the audio quality is. And I think if all three of those things are good, then uh you have a pretty good chance.
2: Exactly. Exactly.
0: Oh yeah. So you said that you know, you kinda got into the podcasting thing naturally through a, a sequence of events, but did you think like, oh, I wanna do a podcast? Were you inspired by any other podcast or something else you listened to? I mean not not really. Well,
2: that's a good question. So Essentially, when I was leaving for Europe, I was going by myself, and my buddy, he sent me um, a message. From my one of my best friends from high school. He's like, "Dude, you should do a podcast while you're over in Europe. Could be a fun way to keep in touch with people." And he sent me the Anchor app. I don't know if you've heard of that. So it's it's called Anchor, and you record the podcast on there, or you can, you know, drag files over and and put them on the website, and Anchor will, you know, distribute you whatever you create an episode you build the episode on the website and then anchor will distribute it for you onto like most of the platforms so as far as inspiration being by myself one of my favorite podcasts um and the first one i ever really listened to was bill burr's monday morning podcast and so <laughs> i guess i guess that was maybe my inspiration cuz i i kind of just would ramble you know if i was in, <laughs> if i was in amsterdam or you know i don't know switzerland whatever it was like kind of kind of his style i guess you could say So that would probably be my biggest inspiration. And then once I started interviewing people, I really, I don't listen to it as much anymore, but um, when WTF by Mark Maron first came out and he was interviewing all those comedians, I I like his interview style very much. uh, So I guess those would probably be my two biggest initial inspirations, if that makes sense.
0: It does. You know, I can almost hear the Bill Burr podcast in my head right now without ever having heard it here is this close I can imagine he's like yeah I'm in Amsterdam <laughs> yeah they got the uh they got the red light district what's, <laughs> what's going on with that yeah. <laughs> am I close not too far off yes yeah,
2: <laughs>
1: Dana are you are you a big comedy
2: fan you know I am I I I guess define big comedy fan I, I do love stand-up comedy sure who are your favorite comedians now Like, Bill Burr, obviously, I think he's the king, man. Uh, It's, like, I feel like he's been wearing the crown for a while, which has been really cool because I've been a fan of his, you know, since before he really blew up. So it's been really fun to watch watch him just get everything he deserves. But, like, in the last few years, I honestly have just been doing podcasts, so I've been so bad at keeping up with comedy. That's why I say I don't know if I'm the biggest fan at this time.
0: So you were talking about, like, you know, cold calling – People and asking them to come on the show. And, you know, that's what we did and still do sometimes as well. Has this ever happened to you, Dana? Okay. Okay. You reach out to somebody, right? And you're like, hey, do you want to come on the show? And they're like, yes. And then you're like, okay, here's the time, be there. And they're like, cool. And then they like ghost you. Has that ever happened to you? I have been ghosted, but never, I've never gotten to the point where we worked out
2: a time and day. And then I've had someone maybe last minute have to reschedule. Yeah. And I'm trying to think there's probably one person that I'm still trying to reschedule with. But yeah, I've never been been ghosted at like unless that it was before that step. You know what I mean? Like I've had people be like, yeah, sure. I'll totally come on. And then and then like you don't hear from them again. And you can they'll leave you on scene and you're like, damn, you saw my message, bro and then (laughs) you're like come on
0: (laughs) yeah i i would prefer if they just said no or just left me on scene because then i know it's a no like don't say yes and then give me extra work to do for nothing you know what i'm saying i know exactly what you're saying but i I try to keep in mind i i guess the
2: whole world doesn't revolve around me and my podcast i guess you know (laughs) but so i try to keep that into perspective and try to like remember especially like these musicians and and even more so now that touring is a thing again i try to keep in mind that they got a million things going on and or you know just maybe it's going to be the right time i find cuz a couple of guests i've had where i know other people are trying to get them and they can't maybe i just caught them at the right time maybe they're just a big piebald fan and or maybe a combination
0: yeah yeah i i find that too it's a it's all about timing and you know we came about Right after the pandemic started, as well, so a lot of people had downtime. So I think uh, people were more willing to talk. It's it's just all about timing, really. I agree. I had um,
2: Matthew, the singer of Funeral for a Friend, on. Like I love that band, and I messaged him, and he wrote back. He's like, honestly, I I hate doing podcasts. I hate doing interviews, but I'm a massive Piebald fan. And you asked me really nicely, so you caught me at the right time. So I was like, all right, cool, but I don't think he's really doing that stuff anymore. I think there was a small window there where he did maybe three of them, and I I just caught him at the right time. But what about? Uh, I don't want you to name names, but like like how often do you find you, that happens to you though? Like someone will agree to do it, and then they 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 kind of just
0: bail. It only happened once. I asked somebody, they said yes, so I sent all the follow up details, and they didn't respond. So I thought, oh, I guess it's cool then, right? But uh, they never showed up. So it's only happened one time. But it's okay. You know, we'll we'll get that person eventually, I'm sure. Now, Dana, how do you feel about other podcasters? Do you like them? Do you hate them? <laughs> do you communicate with them at all? Do you get competitive? Like, what what is your view on the whole thing?
2: I hate them all. All of them. Every <laughs> single one of them. Including you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Dude, I... I I like podcasters. If it weren't for other podcasters, I wouldn't be here in the first place. I don't know, man. I, I don't find it competitive. I, I think I see it more as like a like we're all in this together kind of thing, you know, because what's the use in fine Well, maybe healthy competition. I might hear something someone does and be like, Oh, that's a good idea. You know? Maybe I should I don't know, maybe it's something like reminding people to hit five stars and, and give me a, like a review more often. Like, oh, I should be doing that up every episode. That's a great idea. Or like there might be little things like that where, you know, I might, I might pick up little tips. And I think we all should be doing that from each other. And I think the more people work together, the better we'll, we will all be off because, you know, podcasting is getting bigger and bigger every day, I think. And more and more people are listening to podcasts. So I think there's room for everyone. Because, dude, like someone might not like my podcast, but you know what they might like yours, or vice versa, or you know that can that can like some people how many listeners does Joe Rogan have millions a billion I don't know five five million or something like that yeah. I think, so I mean, you know, but is he for everyone? no, but you your podcast might be or my podcast might be, so
0: yeah i'm I'm just curious about how podcasters feel about other podcasters because. I don't talk to any really like you're the, well, you're one of the first that I've spoken to Dana. So this is like exciting new territory. Oh, right on, man. Yeah. I,
2: I have a little network of people like I, I met these dudes from Australia. Well, when I say meet, like, you know, we, we met on Instagram or something, but like, yeah, here's an example. So I had Matt Carter of Emory on my podcast. Right. And he enjoyed the interview and the conversation so much that he put that episode on his feed. He has a podcast called Bad Christian. He used it as one of his episodes. And, oh, nice. And on one hand, it's like, well, crap, I'm not, getting, I'm not getting the credit for those listens, but I really don't give a shit. Can I swear on here? I can swear on here, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Of course. I'm like, I, don't, I don't give a shit about that, but someone might get upset about that. I don't know. But you know what? That drove more listeners to my show because they enjoyed that interview. And then I had these dudes from Australia hit me up. They're like, hey, I found your podcast through, you know, the Bad Christian Podcast. And now, like, I'm a I'm a fan of your show. And and they happen to have a podcast. So I was on their podcast. And I think people have had me on their show, I don't know, at least I've been on maybe half a dozen of these. And I'm always honored when someone asks me, because like, I'm just a, I'm a dude who likes to bring the more interesting dudes or dudettes to the to the platform. You know what I'm saying? So I, I enjoy interacting with other podcasters. We all learn from each other. That's, that's my my take on it anyway.
0: Yeah, me too. And I'm with you. There's plenty of room for everybody. There's plenty of podcasts for everybody out there. And I don't get competitive or anything like that anymore. I probably did a little bit in the beginning because it was really hard to get guests. Like there were times where we thought the show was just going to be done because I'm like, well, we asked everybody and everybody has come on. And no one else has said yes, so I guess we're done. But then, like you know, you'd get another message or someone would reply, and it's like, okay, we're doing one more. But I think there's plenty of room for everybody, and I'm I'm actually refreshed talking to you, Dana, because like you know, this is cool. This is a first. Yeah, man.
2: Uh, I always like this stuff, and but let me ask you this, dude. Do you find it a hard balance? Because what I struggle with at times, because there's always that fear, like you just said. It's like. Well, if I don't, if I don't have enough interviews scheduled or already recorded, then like, I'm going to be stuck with zero. So I'll go through these phases where I'll just, I'll just book a whole bunch. Like I have, like tomorrow I'm talking to Trevor from unearth. And then the next day I'm talking to Cyrus from newfound glory. And then I have a couple next week and I probably have, I don't know, half a dozen recorded. So now I'm, yeah. now I'm overwhelmed on the other side because I'm like, <laughs> cause it's like, you know, I, I have some that that are a few months old that I haven't put out. And then, so it's like, I, I don't, I want to always have some in the bank, but I don't want to leave people hanging and like, have them be like, dude, where's my episode? Why didn't it come out yet? You know?
0: Exactly. Yeah. You know what? We're in that territory now where we have a bunch in the bank. And so what I do is I just, I don't schedule new ones if we're too far behind, you know, I just say, we just have to wait, but I have to say planning forward is so much easier than going week to week. Like we used to just record every week and schedule every week and edit every week and post every week. Now that I think about it in retrospect, that's a lot more stressful than what we do now. Don't you think, Tommy? I mean, some of the times we've had a
1: couple weeks like in the last month where it's been like three interviews in a week and that gets a little hectic. But the other part is, is now it's just like, okay, that one's in the bank. All we have to do is intro and outro for that one. And now we got a new episode. You know, so uh, I think it does give us a peace of mind, like when we're ahead, but also at the same time, there's times when we interview people and things are time sensitive, like this is being released on such and such a date. It's like, fuck, this one has to go out by this day (laughs) because the new album's coming out and it needs to be promoted. Um, So it does put us in kind of a weird situation, but we also have ones that are kind of just generic, like, let's just talk and have a good conversation. You don't have anything in the works. Cool. Let's have a conversation. And then when we need to use it, we use it exactly yeah
2: dude absolutely and you know i'll prioritize them based on i always ask do you have or maybe i know maybe they're coming on because they have an album coming out on a certain day or a tour kicks off at a certain day so i'll always prioritize and kind of bump those up in the line as long as and i ask them at, at the end of each episode i'm like hey uh do you mind when this comes out like do, do you want me to put it out at a certain time and i don't know maybe half the time they're like oh i don't care whenever you know but you don't want to wait too long, especially like, I think uh, Travis is a good example. I recorded with him like last April, I think on the most recent one he was on. And then I didn't put it out until like, I don't know, it was like June or July or something. So some of the stuff that we were talking about, things were much more in lockdown. So I yeah. I had to, it, but no, it's not a big deal. But in the intro, I was just like, oh, we spoke a few months ago. So, you know, if we were talking about the lockdown, that's, that was why. So it's not the end of the world, but you know.
0: Yeah. No, I, I feel that that's happened to us too. And we just, we just say whatever it is now, because we used to do, we used to, in the beginning, we do this thing where we pretend like that we're still going to talk to them, even though we've already talked to them. Yeah, And then I was like, you know what, this is stupid. Let's just say we already talked to them and it was great. Like, I can't do this pretending thing. Just say what it is. That makes sense.
2: And I love uh, the the dynamic between you two, by the way. And, um, I like, like the, it's cool. No, like even like the intros, because I had this thing, it's a, it's a different ball game when you're by yourself. And I know there's some people, for example, I used to tell these bartending stories at the beginning of my episodes. And so, but dude, sometimes. I would I would come and record the intro like right after I got out of a long bar shift. So I'd be all fucking fired up, dude. I'd be like, you know what this motherfucker did to me? I'll tell you. And I would just go <laughs> off, I would just go off. <laughs> and sometimes it's like a 10 to 15 minute intro, which I've had people reach out and say they love that. But I've also had people reach out and be like, dude, like your intro's too long, like blah, blah, blah. So I don't know, at the same time, like they can always just fucking fast forward. It's not a big deal. But uh, someone once told me, um, it, was, it was Chris Swinney. Chris Swinney, he does a similar podcast to us. It's called That One Time on Tour. Chris was in the Ataris and stuff. Um, he's got a great show. But I had him on, and he told me a couple things. For one, he told me, he's like, dude, podcasting is kind of like the Wild West, man. He's like, you can do an eight-hour episode as long as you got the memory for it in your hard drive. And also, he's like, people are going to listen to your podcast for one of two reasons, or a combination. It's either going to be for the guest, and they're new to you, and the other is going to be maybe they're just a fan of you. So they're going to listen to every episode you do no matter what, regardless of whether or not they even know who the guest is, or for both. So the goal is probably to make those people, like win those people over, those new people who, who are there for the guest, and hopefully they stay.
0: Exactly. And I think that's dead on, because I listen not just for the interview, but for the person doing the interview, if I like them. Like uh, Howard Stern, I don't even listen to the interviews half the time. I just like to listen to them fight and argue with each other and, and, you know, all the shenanigans that go on. Exactly. But with you guys, you know... I since we emailed, I listened to more episodes.
2: I had listened to a couple in the past, but I listened to more to familiarize myself with you guys and and with the show even more. And I found myself—I just kept going. I just kept going down, down the line, and I, I found myself. I'm like, I like these guys. You know, not that I didn't before, but you know what I mean. I like the dynamic. You know us better now. Yeah, I mean in, in that in that podcaster podcasting way, I, I like the dynamic between you two. I like the, in in the outro too. You have a nice little conversation and. And all of it is just really enjoyable. It's it's harder, I think. Lately, I've been went with my intros. It's just been more business. Like I'll keep it like three minutes, and because I feel I get in my own head. I'm like, I don't want I don't want to drag this thing on. Um, so I just kind of just jump right into it. And maybe it's because I don't have a a second to bounce things off of. And I don't think, like I said before, from Chris Swinney, I don't think there is a right or wrong, but. Yours is enjoyable. I was, I was so excited for the question. How are you doing today?
0: <laughs> you, you blew it. You yeah. blew it, Keith. Oh, we didn't man. do that. Oh shit! I, I didn't open with that. <laughs> oh, I went, a, I went a little off script for this one. It's okay. Well, you know what's funny? I have it on my list right. I have it on my list right here. I'm looking at it too, Dana. <laughs> you've got to tell us how are you doing. Today, I'm
2: I'm doing great, Keith. <laughs> How are you boys what'd doing? You do?
0: <laughs> I, what'd you do? What'd uh, you do? we well, see. I should have brought it up
2: because I I didn't do anything exciting. So <laughs> I uh, <laughs> I got like I I've been doing these giveaways for the Piebald. Uh, so Piebald's album, "We Are the Only Friends We Have," just turned 20 years old, and we've been celebrating it on Instagram. And I have like 30 pieces of mail I got to send out, like 30 packages. So I've just been sorting them all out so it's really nothing exciting but point is i i like that you ask a asset on your podcast it's like a really cool thing i haven't heard that anywhere else and it's awesome and it, i feel like it breaks a barrier right away it's it's um i i admire the, the way you guys do your show
0: well thank, thank you, you very much it's yeah i we really appreciate that and you know if you listen to one and then listen to some more i think that's a good sign right tommy
1: oh yeah i think that's kind of the mark of something that it when it's serialized like that, there's times where I've listened to a podcast for the person that's being interviewed and been like, eh, I don't really feel the chemistry on this one. Like, so unless they have somebody else that I really want to listen to, like, I'm not going to stay with it. But it, I mean, honestly, that I appreciate that more than anything else because Keith and I have been friends for a long, long time. There's <laughs> <It's just> sometimes <laughs> where, we, where we start telling stories and we're like, is this something people really want to listen to? Like, do they care enough to hear a story about like, you know, us at the diner near our house? Like, but uh, again, it comes back to like, we really, really care about music and we love talking to people about music that they make. And I think it comes through in the, in our banter and our back and forth. I would agree, man. You can hear it. And
2: yeah, you could just tell that you guys have been friends for a while. That stuff will come through, you know, to the audience. Just like, when you're watching a band on stage, uh, I use Pivald as an example because whatever i I see them play all the time, but like you can tell that they 're all like best friends, whether it 's on stage banter or just the way they look at each other and smile. It sounds corny, but it 's true or and and I think that 's the case with a lot of bands or that are on stage or podcasts you know with more than one person or or just one person to a guest. you can really feel it when someone 's clicking versus maybe just going through the motions
1: yeah oh yeah absolutely you can recognize that there's a genuine kind of feeling that comes along with that and that you, people can pick up on that really quickly and especially if it's that fake type where they're trying to act genuine when you clearly don't have that rapport you're like never mind <laughs> Look, i'm checked out <laughs> i'm already checked
0: out
2: right absolutely man
0: do you listen to all the other podcasts dana uh what's all the other podcasts like all the podcasts in our circuit to see what's up and like you know that type of thing. So you know, almost like the
2: comedy thing. It's weird. I I don't even have enough time, or I shouldn't say enough as much time as I would like to listen to all the podcasts. Um, yeah, but I I can say I've listened to them all. Like uh, my most recent guest was Shane Told. Shane is the singer of Silverstein, and he has one of the biggest ones in our circle. If you if you call it our circle, right? He's got. Yes. The Lead Singer Syndrome. And I don't know. His show might be I'm trying to think. Is his the biggest of of like the scene interviews? It's definitely up there.
0: Oh no, that that would be our show. Easily the biggest <laughs> of all of them. And
2: <laughs> and two-week notice, of course. Duh, obviously.
0: Yeah. Obviously. I mean, we're where the two biggest. No. I listened to your episode with Shane. Yes, that was good. And it, it actually made me want to check out Lead Singer Syndrome. It's on my to-do list. I, I don't I'm like you, Dana. I don't have time for anything. I, but I do want to listen to everybody just to see what's going on, you know?
2: Totally, man. I do also listen to uh, This Was the Scene with uh, Mike Doyle. He does a great, a great podcast. You should talk to him if you're looking for guests. He's awesome. Uh, he's got a great show. And like, like you guys, you guys have a very unique, I don't know if niche is the word, but list of guests, a, a unique pool. So like you and I have some crossovers, and I'm sure you have crossovers with, with Mike Doyle's show or with Shane's show or yeah. Chris Swinney's show, or, or whoever. But you definitely have this very unique pool of guests, which which is what makes you stand out in addition to, you know, the dynamic between the two of you. So I like to think, you know, we all have our own little corners in this wild, wild west podcasting world. And I know for a fact, I'm sure there's people in, that listen to my show and your show, you know, whether or not it's crossover guests or or, or separately, you know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, every every show brings its own unique flavor. And that's why, you know, there's room for everybody. And yeah, it's just, it's all good to me. So tell me, Dana, what difficulties do you have with your show? Like any kind of difficulties? Yeah, dude,
2: that's a good question. Well, one thing I was going to bring up and ask you guys, I don't want to derail your question, but before I forget. Yes. And this is kind of a difficulty as well. So it kind of ties in. But if I go back and listen to something from, like an earlier episode from even a few months ago. I like cringe. I can't stand it. <laughs> I hate it sometimes. And yeah. and so I don't often do, but sometimes people will reach out to me and be like, Oh, I heard I heard the episode you did with, I don't know, so and so like and maybe it was six months ago. And they'll bring up something that we discussed and I'm like, I don't even remember that. So I'll try to find it and then I'll start to like listen to it and I can't even get through it. I'm like, this is this is terrible. Like like <laughs> I I don't know do you I find that a struggle uh I've I've taken old episodes down because I just maybe I didn't like the way I was interviewing at that time Oh really Yeah it's it's been a rare thing um or maybe I maybe I cut out the intro you know what I'm saying Yeah um I don't know so I I find it difficult to go back and and listen to the the older ones and or with Aaron Tate from Minus the Bear. I this is the second time I had him on. The first time I had him on was one of my earlier interviews, and it was a really it was a great talk. But he had mm-hmm. he had one of those pair of headphones in, like um, I think it's the one that comes with like the iPhone, and it has the microphone piece like at chest level. So it was yeah. it was brushing up against his shirt the entire time, and I kind of noticed it back when we were we were actually talking, but. I, I didn't say anything. So when I, when I played it back, it just, dude, it fucked up the entire episode. And that was when I started (laughs) doing more interviews and like, you know, I started gaining more listeners and I know for sure I I lost people back then. I guarantee it. Like they, I had someone, they left me a five-star review, but then they wrote, they wrote right on there. Like, I don't know what that noise is. It sounds like Dan is taking notes or something like, sounds like he's scribbling (laughs) on a piece of paper. I was like, well, thanks for the five stars, but you know, it was valid feedback. It was Aaron's microphone, it just kept brushing so I made sure I didn't have that microphone this time. <laughs> but but um so I I guess that's all part of the learning and growing process. But I, I was just curious if, if you guys listen back once in a while to some of the older ones and, and you're like, Oh jeez, what was I what was I thinking? or 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 maybe you're just like, Wow, I've gotten so much better since then.
0: Yeah, I do exactly what you do. If someone says, oh, I listened to this, it was really good, or, oh, I checked this old episode out, I'll go back and listen to it. And sometimes it's good, and sometimes it's not, in my opinion. I like to just ask my question and shut up and let the person answer now. And I think before I did a little too much, "Uh uh-huh, mm-hmm, yeah, while they're talking, and I wouldn't, like, cut that out. And I used to sound a lot more low energy. Like, you can hear the way I'm talking right now, I'm projecting. And making sure I don't do the nasally thing where I fuck up words. But in, in the old episodes, I kind of talk like this. And I'm just talking like, and I'm like, wow, I need a cup of coffee or something. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy, do you listen to older ones at all? Uh, I've gone back
1: and listened to a handful of them. Uh, I actually listened to the first episode about a week and a half, maybe two weeks ago. The, the demo was better. And then, uh, I actually, this is such a sad thing to admit, but I was having a really bad day. I was not feeling well. Work was not going great. And I went back and I listened to, uh, the Anthony Green episode and because there's a part where anthony says some really nice shit about me <laughs> so i was like <laughs> i need to pick me up anthony's famous let me go listen to that for a second i can have one of my old friends say something nice about me <laughs> so uh, uh that's nice yeah it was like a t- like a 12 minute segment i just sat there and listened to it and i turned it off and i was like all right i actually do feel a little bit better maybe i'm gonna that's gonna be like my uh audio prozac and next time i feel shitty i'll just put <laughs> anthony saying nice shit about me on <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that yeah, but that's the that's the only couple I've gone really like back to and listened to for any amount of time. But uh, I also realize I don't like the sound of my voice when I listen back. I'm like, is that really what I sound like? It just it doesn't register with me. Like it's it's a hard listen sometimes because I'm just go ugh, like your voice is terrible.
0: <laughs> it was really hard to get used to the sound of my voice, but. I've been editing the show for about two years now, so I'm used to it. It's fine. As long as I don't mess up words, I'm good. I, I I like to like really pronunciate them and not mess them up. I'm like a perfectionist, you know?
2: Yeah, man, I'm the same way. I did get used to hearing my voice, but at first it was weird. And to be honest, i not even trying to like gloat or brag, but like one of the biggest compliments I get is people tell me they really like my voice, which so, I, and kind of like, like what you were just saying, Tommy. I never thought that about myself at all. But hearing that multiple times, you know what? It really lifts my spirits, and I don't even think about that part anymore.
0: I just realized a minute ago, I said pronunciate. Is that even a word?
1: No. I didn't want to say oh, anything because the irony was so <laughs> delicious. I just didn't want to, like, I kind of wanted to savor it for a second. Uh,
0: oh, yeah, pronounce. See, this is, this is all I'm going to think about for the rest of the conversation now. <laughs> pronounce? You know what? I'm going to leave it in. It's okay. okay. Because I'm lazy. I start... <laughs> No, you're a perfectionist, you just said it <laughs> I pronunciate i i tommy, I created a word like when you said butality
1: yes, yeah, I think you t- you you combined enunciate and pronunciation into a new word
0: yeah, yeah so i am uh, blazing new trails once again. How about that That's it, my story, but, and
1: I'm sticking to it There you go. I was gonna say just the, i was gonna, <laughs>
0: that's uh I'm, d- I'm just gonna keep digging the hole until all the dirt falls in and. You never hear from me again. There's a there's a word
1: there's a word for that. It's like one of those like English like uh, literature terms. I think it's called portmanteau. It's like when you take two words and kind of put them together to make a new word, and that's exactly what you just did.
0: Well, Dana, in addition to the two week notice podcast, you are also tour manager and official hype man for Piebald. Now, I didn't know Piebald had a hype man, but I was at Furnace <laughs> Fest, Dana. And I saw you running around down there having fun and singing along and getting people going. I was like, they have a hype man. Yeah. They have a hype man. That is awesome. And I saw exactly what you were talking about. Everybody was having fun, smiling. It was a fantastic set. So tell us about your history with the band and how you became the official live hype man. Okay. Well, first of all, just a slight correction here. My number one job
2: with Piebald is cowbell player. Okay. Okay. <laughs> 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 um, no, but yeah, she's, all right. I hope people aren't sick of this story because I'm sure some of, some of these people have heard it a few times.
0: Well, we have not heard okay. it and we are the only people that matter. You're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> right. Or you might say, we are the only friends we have. <laughs> hmm? Oh, huh? I see what
2: you did there. Okay. Yeah. I love it. All right. So <laughs> basically in 2016, Piebald got back together after Taking several years off from being a band, right? But they remained best friends. And in 2016, they played a couple shows in Boston at the Royale. Now, prior to this, like mid 2000s, they always had a cowbell player, which happened to be their tour manager, okay? So it kind of comes full circle in a weird way. But if you have seen the DVDs, or th- th- these DVDs came out in the mid 2000s, or if you saw them in concert, back in the day, you might have seen their tour manager, Brian McGaffigan, up there playing the cowbell during the song, The Stalker, which I also ended up kind of stalking them, which also makes it kind of come full circle. But basically, (laughs) in 2016, when they got back together in Boston, uh, you know, I'm from the Boston area, so are they. So I kind of knew the guys, like just from going to shows, but I was always really shy, like I would see them talking to people after the show and stuff. And sometimes I would say hi, maybe, but that was about it. And I, I was Facebook friends with Travis and Luke. So they knew who I who I was as a big fan and who came to a lot of shows and like maybe a nice guy, you know? And then, you know, so I'm like, nobody's playing the cowbell. Like that should be me. Because one time at a show, there was, there was a small period of time where they would pull people up from the audience to like play cowbell. And my friend got picked and he was right next to me. And I always wanted to be the one that got picked and then they broke up. And I was like, damn. So fast forward, a month after those shows in 2016 in Boston, they did a West Coast run. Now, in my mind at the time, dude, maybe those were their last shows ever. I don't know. So Pie is my favorite band, dude, like ever. Like before I even started touring with them, they've just always been my favorite band in the world. So when they got back together, I was ecstatic for just maybe those reunion shows. So I bought tickets to all those shows on the West Coast and they were with the band Limbeck. I don't know if you know Limbeck, but they're awesome too. So dude, I was gonna go to these shows either way, and I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just gonna bring a cowbell. <laughs> <laughs> so dude, I I brought a cowbell. And you know, I, I definitely hesitated because like it's kind of a fucking weird thing to do. <laughs> it's, like I didn't talk to the band. There was no opening for a cowbell player you know i just decided to bring a cowbell and i put it i should have known in the airport that it was going to be weird i put it in my suitcase right and i, I wish i took a picture of this but i just didn't like in the moment it was kind of a serious thing you know cuz it's like security or whatever but it went through the fucking cuz i only had a carry on bag right so it went through the x-ray machine <laughs> you could just see this this big fucking it took up half my suitcase dude you could just see this <laughs> big this big you know metal cowbell shaped thing in the x-ray and the guy the guy just looks at me and he's like sir can you uh <laughs> can you step aside i already knew it was gonna <laughs> he's just like he's like what uh what, what is this and i was like oh it's a it's a cowbell <laughs> so he like whatever. he reaches in he takes it out and he's just like it's a cowbell okay carry on sir never seen that one before and uh so fast forward i flew out long story short dude i showed up to their sound check in la with a cowbell and some beers and uh they thought it was awesome, but weird. And it was awesome, but weird. And they're awesome, but weird. So the kind of, maybe that's why it's a match made in heaven, but they made me try out. They're like, we got to make sure you can do this. And I've never been more nervous. Uh, I was like, <laughs> Cause I mean, I've done Boston calling, which is like 40,000 people or something. I've done these festivals and bigger shows with them. I've never been more nervous than that moment when I was on stage with them at the echo in Los Angeles um, it was just them and the the opening band, Limbeck. And and I was like shaking, dude. But I had practiced with like a pen on my knee. I listened to the stalker like over and over the whole six hour flight just so I could get it right. And uh, so even though I was like super nervous and shaky, uh, I still nailed it. And then whatever, dude, it turned into me playing cowbell at the rest of their shows. And eventually they're like, all right, we like this guy. Why don't you sell our merch? And I was like, sure, I'd be honored, you know. And then. Fast forward, they needed a tour manager, uh, and that was for the dashboard tour. So they promoted me again to tour manager, and I've been tour manager, hype man, merch guy, cowbell player ever since.
0: That's a pretty incredible story. It's like awesome that you took the chance to transport a cowbell across the country just to show up and and do this thing. I mean,
2: like I said, I was doubting myself because it's pretty
0: ridiculous, but... (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I, I
2: probably would have regretted it if I didn't. And now looking at what it's turned into, you know, like you mentioned Furnace Fest, dude. I I never would have even dreamt of doing Furnace Fest or, or even just being in a van with those guys. I remember the first time I like hopped in their van and I was like, wow, I'm in the van with Piebald. Or or the first time I went backstage, it was just like, whoa, this is the green room. It was just all really cool to me. And it's still the coolest thing that's ever happened, you know. But So it's like a dream come true in a lot of ways because I've always wanted to be you know, a part of the scene, but I'm not a musician, except for maybe a killer cowbell player from time to time. But, but, <laughs> but, you know, I've just always had the the love for the scene, the same love that you guys have. And so this is my weird little way of, of being a part of it. And it just so happens to be, I get to do it with my favorite band.
0: Wow. I love that. That is a great story. And we feel the same way because even though Tommy and I have been in bands, I don't feel like a band guy necessarily. So you know, this show is like our contribution and part of being in the scene. And it sounds like you're kind of doing the same thing, which makes it even cooler.
2: Absolutely, man. And uh, another band recently just recruited me. <laughs> so <laughs> this band called, uh, they're called For the Best. They're this, they actually, they played Furnace Fest. They had like an earlier time slot, I think, on the same Sunday that, that Piebald played. But they're these younger kids. I say kids just because I'm I am older now. They're They're like 22 or so. And there's just this up and coming, uh, like, I believe if you go to their Spotify, it's like pop punk hardcore. And, but basically, dude, like, they're playing the So What Festival that's in, it's in Arlington, Texas, in a few months. And I'm going to go down and play the cowbell for them and like hype shit up. And maybe I'll meet people and get some podcast interviews or something. Who knows, you know?
0: Nice. Now, do you have to clear this with Pieball? Do they get possessive of you, their <laughs> cowbell guy? <laughs> no, if anything, they, they love that
2: I love doing it, and they encourage me to go and work with other bands they're trying to they're trying to get rid of me no no <laughs> no, but they they can see what i'm doing and and they know that because you know piebald isn't full time, obviously, you know like they once were, and they know that that I want to get into this this world so for example, our sound guy, his name is Chris Johnson, we just recruited him for the last tour back in December for the holiday shows. And but he's also a cave-in sound guy, and he plays bass in the band uh, Deaf Heaven. Did you, I don't know if you got them at uh, Furnace Fest. They're they're great.
0: Oh yes, nice. You know, you sound you sound so calm on your podcast. You have the great podcaster voice, but then there's this other side of you that is the hype man, cowbell player for Piebald. I mean, are you like quiet in person but a maniac on the stage? Uh, how do you how do you deal with the two? The two different roles. No, I'm I'm pretty.
2: If you ask any of my friends, I think I have a big personality. You know, I can be obnoxious. I mean, I'm I'm a little bit older now, but I could be that that like I don't know. I think I'm an, a natural hype man. You know, I'm I'm a really positive guy. I always have been, uh, and you know, I think that's I think it aligns with my personality. I'm, again, I'm a little bit more calm now that I'm whatever thirty six. But um,
0: oh, you're only thirty six. Yeah. Wow. We're like 40. We're old.
2: Dude. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> do, do you have your retirements
0: planned yet? You know, like- Tommy does, I'm sure. You <laughs> know. Oh, yeah. I'm 100. Yeah.
1: I'm not 40 yet. I got, a <laughs> mon- I got like a month and a half.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. That's so weird. I just turned 40. So 36 sounds 20 to me now.
1: Well, happy birthday, dude. <laughs>
0: Thank you. That's a big one. So are you out there the entire set running around hyping things up? I am.
2: Yeah, I mean, well, I think you said you saw Furnace Fest. Yeah, dude. Well, I mean, here's the deal. Like, it started, when Piebald does a headlining show, I'm just in the crowd because I, as that's what I do with Piebald. I want to see their whole set. So I'd be in the crowd just like a normal Piebald show. We don't usually play, like for a headliner, we don't usually play these shows with like the, the barricade in between, you know? Mm-hmm. But then, like, when I think the first festival I did with them would, would have been Boston Calling. So I'm like, I can't go into that crowd. I'm going to get lost. I'll never make it back. So, <laughs> I mean, Boston Kong's a huge festival, dude. So I'm like, all right. That was when I, I realized during festivals or shows with that big barricade, I kind of, that's like my space, I guess, unless I'm on the stage. But, you know, most of the songs I'm not. So that was kind of how it turned into that. So like Furnace Fest, for example, I'm, I wasn't going to like jump over the barricade and hop in like, the pit i don't think there was a pit for the piebald set anyway but that's why i just use that space during shows like that or for dash dashboard for example we did a full u.s tour opening for them and you know i'm fully aware that most of uh, the percent of the crowd is there for dashboard they don't want some asshole like me running around you know <laughs> like screaming piebald lyrics in their <laughs> face the reason they're all smushed up to the front is because they want to get as close to chris caraba as they possibly can be makes sense So that's another example where, you know, I, and there's a barricade at those shows. So I'll kind of like be in the, in that little space for those shows too. So it depends on the show, but also now since COVID, you know, I can't, I can't be in the crowd like that anymore anyway. Cause if, you know, if I run in the crowd, get COVID from somebody and, you know, get in the van, uh, you know, I could be getting those guys sick. So it's a little different now anyway, with, with like the COVID or the post COVID shows, if you will, not that COVID still isn't a thing, but you know what I mean?
0: Right. And when you're in that pit area, is security okay with that? Do they ever give you a hard time? That's a good question. Uh, there have been a couple of times
2: where it has (laughs) not been okay. (laughs) And I, I try to always make it a point during or, or before the show, I should say, uh, like, I'll let them know, like, cause I'll, I'll just be like, Hey, um, Hey, What's up, guys? I'll just go up to him like before the or as the doors are opening or something, and I'm like, "Hey, what's up, guys? My name's Dana. I show him my laminate, you know, my tour credentials, and I'm like, I just want you to know I'm with Piebald. I do a little, I do a little running around like hype man kind of vibe. I just wanted to like let you know so it's not like weird and make sure you're cool with it. And there were a couple venues on the dashboard run that I want to say the Fillmore and San Fran and maybe like one or two more, where because I use like the little. The steps that they use to like pull people that who are like crowd surfing or like, you know, they have the little steps to just look at the crowd and shit. I use those to like just kind of hype people up and stuff. So there were a couple, couple venues that were like, yeah, no, you, you can't do that. And I was like, okay, but I just still kind of ran around and did my thing anyway, but I'm always respectful of security. There was one show recently. I'm trying to remember what show it was. It might've been, we recently opened for Newfound Glory in Buffalo. And I, I think it was this show and they, they, I got like surrounded. I, I ran around, for, they let me do it for like a whole song or two. And then all of a, all of a sudden, dude, they like kind of like pulled me off the thing and they're like, they're like, who are you? Let me see your credentials. What like, what's your deal, buddy? Like, because they thought I was just some like psycho fan. They thought I was like that guy who runs around the, the football field streaking or something like they, they almost, <laughs> they almost tackled me. It was kind of weird. It was funny though. Whoa. Did you clear it up? Yeah. I just, I was like, dude, my pass is
0: right here, man. I was like, I'm in piebald. Come around. It was it was fine. (laughs) (laughs) And do you ever get does it ever get weird figuring out what to do for the whole set? Like I'd be so neurotic. I'd be like, Oh, like I already did this. What do I do next? I'm tired. I have to stand, but I can't stand. I'm up here. Like, do you ever get into any of that territory? Not at all.
2: No. No. Dude, because I know all their songs, so I'm singing them or um, I know there's a lot of the songs like monkey versus the robot has a couple of spots where there's claps and I'll run up on the stage and do the claps or king of the road has the same thing or, or fear and loathing. I try to get the crowd to sway or the stalker or whatever, I'm playing the cowbell or I'm just singing the songs. Um, yeah. That never even crosses my mind during, not during a piebald set anyway, or there, cause I also try to get some pictures for them to like use for the socials and stuff too. So if anything, there's not enough time.
0: Now I was listening to your podcast and you mentioned that you have a ski condo in New Hampshire. That's right. I got a ski condo up in New Hampshire, kid. How? Where? <laughs> are are you rich? Um
2: How? I did purchase it. It's it where? It is the Aditash is called Mountain. I mean wait, <laughs> I just said that back. The mountain is called Adatash. <laughs> 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 wow. And uh and I'm not rich, no. I did work in the corporate world for I don't know, like 10 years. Like when I first started touring with Piebald, it was when I had my corporate job. I mean, I was making good money and I bought the condo at that time, but I rent it out like on weekends during ski season now and sometimes during the summer too, because it's good, they got summer stuff going on as well. But yeah, man, I try to use it as much as I can because I like to snowboard.
0: Oh, nice. So wait, you had a corporate job. You were working in the corporate world. Did you leave that for the? life that you are pursuing right now? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I guess if you want
2: to call it that. (laughs) Um, You know, because the timing was interesting. So, yeah, I left the job, and that was when I went to Europe for like the four months or whatever, and that was when I started the podcast. I came home, I started bartending, and I guess, let me put it this way, the reason I left the job, again, it was really, really good money, but I was just miserable, man. I was just not happy. So I kind of planned my exit, and I tried to quit, and and they promoted me, and they gave me like, they ha, they promoted me, and they transferred me to another area, and I refused. I was like, no, like I am trying to quit. I don't want to be here. But they like <laughs> they gave me a promotion and a raise. They gave me twelve thousand uh, dollars as a bonus. Whoa. Yeah, and I put that down as a down payment on a condo in Salem, Massachusetts. Right. So these two and those are the two condos that I bought. But I bought them specifically those units, those properties, knowing that I'd be able to rent them out. So I rent out the one in Salem, like I have a tenant who lives there year round. And then the one up at the the ski place, You know, I rent that out when I can. And um, I said, all right, if I'm still miserable in two years, I'm out, but in the meantime, I'm gonna save up. And that's exactly what I did. And almost two years to the date, I, I left. And that was when I went to Europe and I came back and I was like, I don't know what I want to do with my life, but I know I'm, I'm not going back to that bullshit. So uh, there's, uh, so where I live now, it's my parents' basement, uh, but it's, it's an in-law apartment apartment. So, you know, I have, I have my own, it's like my own little studio apartment. I got a kitchen, I got a bathroom, I got my own entrance. So, but you know, I, I share, I technically live in my parents' basement, but I don't care. They're, they're cool as hell, you know, but point being, I was like, well, what do I, what do I want to do? I need to, get some money right i just spent four months and thousands of dollars in europe so i'm like all right um and where my parents are at is on a pond and on the same pond there's a bar and i, I have some bartending experience so i went over uh to to the bar where i where i currently work it's like you guys need a bartender they're like yeah so in the summer dude i kayak to work you know it's it's it's, i literally i walk out my back door i i sit in my kayak i paddle to work i tie up the kayak i walk up the 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 dock's ramp right into the restaurant and and point being dude i'm just i don't know what i left for exactly but so i start working at that bar and then like two months later the dashboard and piebald tour got announced so uh i you know i told the bar i was just like hey I thought they were gonna hate me, you know, because I just started working there. I was like, I'm not gonna be here in February, just so you know, <laughs> like you know, I'm gonna be on tour. <laughs> and you know what? The owner he couldn't have been cooler. He's like this hippie surfer dude. He was just like, dude, that's so awesome. And and I do a good job while I'm there. So he handed me an envelope on my last day um, before that tour, 500 bucks. He's like, get hey, some beer money. Like, have a great time. We'll see you when you get back. Oh. We'll, we'll miss you. You know. Wow. Yeah. That's great. And but it was a really it was a really tough time though because I got back from tour. And I connected with their tour manager. His name is Jack Funk, uh, the dashboard tour manager, which coolest, coolest name in the world. Jack Funk, <laughs> this guy, this guy fax. This guy's the fucking man, dude. He's a legend. He tour managed Rush back in the day for like 10 years. And he um, he's toured with like Bob Marley. And like, this guy is just an absolute legend. So I really just tried to watch him and learn from him as much as I could. And he hooked me up with this network of, this this website, it's called BobNet and it's kind of like a craigslist website but it's just for roadies in in the touring world so not for musicians it's for tour managers and and lighting people and guitar techs and you know uh, bus drivers all, all those kind of like behind the scenes jobs so i'm finally like all right i'm gonna i'm gonna get in on this on this really awesome world that this is this is what i've been trying to do and then everything shut down so
0: This is pretty incredible. You know, you left behind this corporate job that you didn't like, and you hook up with your favorite band in a pretty incredible way. You're touring with them now. You're performing with them live. But do you ever think about the fact that you own two condos, but you still live in your parents' basement? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I do all the time. I I definitely,
2: I'm a little insecure about it at times. That's why I, when I said it before, I'm like, yeah, I live in my parents' basement, but... But, the, but I feel like I was have to justify it. I'm like, but but I I,
0: I do stuff. I have condos and stuff, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I planned this. No, I'm, I'm just making a stupid joke. But listen, that was funny to be serious. I'm inspired by your story because you're doing what you love now. And those are the stories I love the most. And I don't know. It's just pretty incredible how you hooked up with the band. And, you know, I still work a corporate job myself. But on top of that, I'm finally doing all the stuff I've always wanted to do, so uh, I'm really happy about it, and I'm really happy that you're doing everything you're doing now.
2: Thanks, man. You know, I, well, I mentioned earlier Chris, who was our sound guy, right? He also was the bassist in Deaf Heaven, yes, and man. I had an opportunity to tour with them. They're on a U.S. tour right now. Right now, dude. And, you know, I, I had the job. It was mine. And I... When it rains, it pours, boys, you know, like, because (laughs) at the same time, the same exact time, I had a podcasting opportunity uh, with a a pretty big podcasting company. Uh, Do you know Jake Brennan? He was in Cast Iron Hike, and he hosts the podcast Disgraceland. Yes. So he has a podcasting company called Double Elvis, and one of his, someone who, like, works under him, like, kind of recruited me to apply for this position. Literally, I'm telling you, I got a call from Deaf Heaven's manager the same day that this dude hit me up about this job and the podcast is launching uh, in, a, in a couple of weeks. So there was just literally no way I could have done it at the same time. So I, I turned down that gig at the chance that I might get this other gig, which I did not get it. I just found out it came down to me and one other person I was told. And I was told the tiebreaker was the fact that this dude like has his own studio and shit. So obviously Uh. which is okay dude i've only been podcasting for a year and i really took that as a sign of encouragement if anything i wasn't even bummed about it like the fact that i was in the running and came that close in the first place i was really proud of myself but you know it it just told me that i need to prepare better and you know do some more work uh, as far as like the audio engineering side of things you know
0: wow that's incredible it's a lot of good opportunities huh Yes.
2: But, you know, the fact that they came up at the same time, it was just like, damn. And I was I had a really hard time. You know, when I turned down the Deaf Heaven gig, it was just like I did not take that decision lightly. You know, I bounced it off a couple of the guys in Piebald and and a few other people. And um, Andy from Piebald, he was he gave me great advice. He's like, dude, more more road gigs will come up, man. He's like, I know it's that you really wanted to do this, but he's like, if I were you, I would go for the podcast one. You'll You'll get more road gigs, you know?
0: I think that was the right choice. You had to take the chance. Yeah, exactly.
2: What were you doing previously in the corporate world? So I was an executive for a franchisee for Panera Bread. So I was a director of baking, and I was overseeing 64 Panera Bread locations in New England. Wow. Yeah, it was cool. I mean, great people. I learned a lot. Like I said, I was making good money. I was making six figures, and um, it, it enabled me to buy... Couple condos and all that stuff, but you know, you know, it's weird. I went to culinary school, and the thing that I hated the most was baking. I was like, I just got these classes out of the way, and I was just like, I cannot wait to get these out of the way because I will never do anything related to baking for the rest of my fucking
0: life. And then, (laughs) and
2: then, I was the director of baking for sixty-four fucking bakeries.
0: (laughs) That's a pretty cool job title, though, director of baking. Oh yeah, oh
1: yeah. I actually have a question about bartending. Did you ever get shit house at the bar and then not be able to kayak home? (laughs) <laughs> oh my god that's a great question. I did fall in the
2: water once. Well, no, all right. I didn't fall in the water. All right. So when I my biggest fear has cuz getting into a kayak is actually it it's not it's easy. Yeah,
1: that
0: it is. Sucks.
2: And I always have drinks at the end of my shift, you know, and where I where I um tie up the kayak. So the main feature of this restaurant is its patio and waterfront dining. So you know, when I'm leaving, I get an audience because they're like, where's this guy going? Then they realize that I work there and they're like, well, that's crazy. But one time, my biggest fear was always falling into the water as I was climbing into it. I didn't fall in, but I had a hoodie on because this, this was like September because I remember football was on the next day. And I I had a zip up hoodie. So like, you know, it's got like those like half pockets on the each side of the, the, the zipper and I bent over to get in the kayak, and my cell phone fell into the pond. And I, it was still lit up because I had just been looking at it. So I kind of just watched the like the the screen float down to the bottom. <laughs> no. And it was like it was like ten to twelve feet deep in this in this spot, which I didn't. I learned the hard way, dude. I I thought for half a second, and I I took off my hat and my shoes, and I just jumped right in the water. And this was probably eight o'clock at night. You know, I had got out of work at like five or six, so. I had a few and it was dark out, but so people, but they couldn't really see, they thought I fell into the pond because they just like saw me walk out and it was dark. And then they saw the splash and it was deeper than I thought it was, dude. And like, if I didn't get it in this one grab, I wouldn't have got it. Like by the time I got up, I was like, <gasps> you know, like, I, 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 um, like, I was, and but people had started running out onto the dock because they thought <laughs> that I was drowning <laughs> and I was like, it's okay. Just get my phone. Because I had... <laughs> dude, I'm in fantasy football. I'm in like 10 leagues. So I, I just... I wouldn't have been able to set all my lineups, man. It was...
1: Priorities. Come on. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, let's recap, folks. Here's what we're going to do. Number one, we want to listen to Dana's two-week notice podcast, right? Yes.
2: Yes. That is right.
0: There you go. Yes. If you haven't listened to it, check it out. It's on all the major podcast platforms, right?
2: Yes. That is also right.
0: Yes. And... We're going to catch Piebald Live so we can see Dana do his thing, play some Cowbell, and get everybody all worked up, right? That's right. We
2: are playing a really sick show. If you're in the New England area, June 4th. It's at the Worcester Palladium Outdoors. We're playing it with Newfound Glory, Four Years Strong, Bayside, The Movie Life, Be Well, and A Lost for Words, a bunch of other bands. It's going to be like a really sick show. And we're trying to do, we had to postpone a show in New York um, over... Uh, the winter one of those holiday shows because of covid so we're trying to make up that show hopefully around that same time if we can but that's still in the works
0: well Dana, we just want to say thank you for coming on the show tonight this was great it was a wonderful way to celebrate two years of our podcast with another fellow podcaster and it's been awesome getting to know you so thank you so much dude it's
2: uh the pleasure's all mine uh, Keith and Tommy, thank you guys so much. Keep up the great work and congrats on two years you guys You guys are crushing it, man. Um just keep doing it
0: There you have it, folks, Dana Boland. That was a really great conversation. It was awesome to talk to him. I really like his story, Tommy. You know, he's working a corporate job, he doesn't like it, so he brazenly makes the decision to just go to this piebald show and be their cowbell guy and he, and he tries out and he nails it and now he's living the life he wants to live and doing what he wants to do. He's touring. You know, he almost had that gig with the podcasting company. Yeah. Really nice guy. I'm glad that we're in touch with him now. Really great stories. I could think of no better way to celebrate this two-year anniversary show.
1: Oh, absolutely. And on top of that, like you said, what an inspiration when people just go, yeah, fuck my regular job. <laughs> like, Yes. That's so I, There is so much in there that I just go, I can't imagine having the guts to walk away from a six-figure salary to go,
0: I'm going to do what I want to do, and we'll see how it goes. I couldn't do it unless... It was taking up my entire life and I didn't get to do anything that I wanted to do. Like, if I got a promotion at my job and it took up all my time and they were like, well, you can't do the podcast or the band anymore. There's no time. I wouldn't do it. I couldn't do it. The reason I like my job is because I have time to do all the things that I love and I get to work from home. Yeah, The flexibility that I have with having the entire, well, most of the
1: entire summer off and being able to travel with my kids and, you know, really kind of like be around and also I'm done work early. So when it comes to like, if I have to go to soccer practice or gymnastics or dance recitals, like I, I don't miss stuff. I don't, I just don't miss those things. Um, and I know that, you know, when people have those kind of more engaging, more demanding jobs, they have to kind of let some of those things fall by the wayside. And I I always think about this and that not to be bleak, but I always think like, you know, my dad passed away when he was 41 and it's like on his timeline, I really only have another year or so. Like, and I don't, I want to make sure that it, I'm around and my kids see me present and see me. In you know, playing with them and making memories and doing fun stuff that, you know, God forbid something should ever happen to me that can go, oh, do you remember that time daddy did this? Do you remember that time daddy made, you know, all the stuff that I, you know, crazy, ridiculous things that I've done. <laughs> and so uh, I think that's a huge part of this. And I I love the fact that we set aside time beyond the interviews just to kind of talk about what's going on with our lives. it is It is vaguely therapeutic, I'll be honest.
0: Yeah, it's important. It's important because not everybody has that. So if we're doing it with each other, Tommy, it helps us. And I think maybe people listening to us do it can help them in some way.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. So if you have a really, really good job right now, go ahead and quit it. No, don't do that.
0: (laughs) I mean, if you want to. If you want to now with Dana's job, I would imagine there's a ton of travel and going to different Panera breads and having to take care of stuff. And that does not sound like a fun time. I've lived that life where I'm traveling constantly and I wasn't making six figures. I'll tell you that much. So F that.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a really hard pill to swallow is that like, I, I know people that travel for work, but um, they're compensated very well for it because I, I, in my head traveling, especially plane. Like if I was like, they were like, Hey, you got to rent a car and drive to Baltimore. Cool. Got it plane travel being in an airport delays rentals i i I don't i hate that i hate it everything about it makes me nervous anxious and more in the line of like get me to where i'm supposed to be (laughs) like stop (laughs) stop with the middle part where everything's an inconvenience stop just get me where i need to be but it is what it is. Some people, some people enjoy that. I certainly am not one of them.
0: You know what we didn't talk about, Tommy? This is episode 108 of the show. Can you believe that? Shout out to Mike Shaw. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe, uh, I, my mind was blown that I saw that the two-year anniversary show was episode 108, and I didn't even plan it or anything. It just happened. I think that's a major sign of good things to come. Your thoughts, Tommy?
1: uh i just love the fact that we constantly look for 108 and things <laughs> and then we find <laughs> no, it.
0: no we do, we don't look for it it just
1: happens that's the whole thing that is actually do you remember when mike came to interview uh at the hotel he had no he had a receipt with him do you remember that and the receipt was i, I forget what how it came up but the the total at the bottom was 108 dollars and zero cents and he was like
0: now I remember that. And when we re, when we interviewed Mike Mig, his interview was an hour and eight minutes long. Yes. Yep. Yes. See, folks, this is a recurring number and it's like a whole thing in our group chat that we talk about all the time. So uh it's kind of crazy that this is episode 108. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Things. They're happening. Things. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you again, Dana, for coming on the show. That was awesome. Looking forward to talking to him more in the future. Now, speaking of the future, Tommy, we have reflected on the history of our show and a little bit of 2021 and signing to Iodine Recordings and all that fun stuff. What are you looking forward to in 2022 now? It can be about the show, in life, or both.
1: I'll start with me personally. What I'm really looking forward to in 2022 is the weather getting better and us being able to be outside again, being able to take my daughter skateboarding in the mornings and I'm also looking forward to really making sure that, you know, if I get this new position that I'm doing really well at it and I'm, you know, serving the kids the best I can and making sure that everybody's taken care of and and people's needs are being met. And then Personally, I, I really feel like I've been in a great groove with, uh, eating well and not getting hammered drunk and exercising. And I want to make sure I continue with that pattern and keep all those things in line that allow me to still do those things. Like I, I make sure that my time is kind of set up in a way that allows me to exercise at night, allows me to make sure I'm eating well when I, you know, plan my meals out. But for the show, I want to just continue the same. I, I'm not saying that I don't want it to change, but I don't want my attitude to ever change about it. There's been times where I felt like, you know, I get down here and I feel like oh, as I'm getting on, I'm like, this is such a chore. I can't believe <laughs> this. And then two, three minutes into it, I'm like, I'm so into it and so happy and so grateful. And it really does help you put, Life in perspective. At, you know, we talk about things that happened twenty, thirty years ago, and we just go, "This is such a great thing that we're a part of." And I, I really hope we continue with what we're doing. So, that's it. That's what I got. What do you hope for?
0: Okay, personally, wow, I'm really drawing a, br- I'm really drawing a blank. I can't think of anything. I'm pretty happy right now. I would like my band to play a show in 2022. How about that? I would like us to get to that point. Everything else is fine. And for the show, I just want to keep doing the best show that we can. We've been getting some great guests. I love the format. I think we're improving. I just want the show to be the best that it can be. And for us to continue getting great guests. And for us to continue doing it. Because like you said, Tommy, it can feel like a chore. Not that I don't want to do it or I don't like it or anything. I just have incredible anxiety. And sometimes when we record two or three in a week, there's just a lot of pressure because I'm nervous, but I love it. You know, I I would like, okay, I would like to have less anxiety somehow too. I don't know how I'm going to do that, but one thing at a time. So there you go. There,
1: absolutely. But yeah, I think the best thing we do is we've always kept it fun and kept it in a way that, again, that thematic idea of this is, it was something special and we want to make sure we continue to kind of catalog things that happen. And also, continue to look at bands that are, you know, kind of taking that same like you know people that the torch were passed to and moving forward with that same progress. I, I I love that we get to be a part of like things that we were, you know, bands that we loved a long time ago, but also we get to talk to bands that are doing new and incredibly progressive things now.
0: Yes, you bring up a good point, Tommy. We talk to the classics, and we talk to the new and exciting upcoming artists. We cover it all. Yeah. 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 I don't have anything. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, me either. Look, I think that's it. I think that's it. I think that's it. I don't want to do a whole retrospective on all the guests and all this. stuff. Like you know where the episodes are. If you haven't listened to them, go listen to them. And if you don't want to, that's fine, too. But special thanks to all of our listeners. We see you every week and the folks who are reposting us every Monday and the new people coming in. We see you. We hear you. We appreciate you. Uh, I mean, we do this because of you. You know, when we get nice letters that people said that we helped them through a tough time, our conversations, that's really the best thing in the world. Thank you to everybody who's been on the show. Thank you again to Casey and Iodine Recordings. He's really taken us to the next level. And I talk to Casey almost every day, and he's always helping us out with stuff. So Casey, thank you. And I think that's it, Tommy. I think that's a great way to end. Positivity, look towards the future. We're good to go. We're keeping it positive, and we're keeping it moving. There you go. There you go. Love it. All right. So that's it. Folks, we're back Monday with another brand new episode and a brand new guest. So thanks everybody for listening, and until next time.